Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio with Linda Prater. Women are pressed daily to give more, learn more, and be more, often at the expense of mind, body, or spirit. Each week with intriguing guests and topics, we'll bring you fresh ways to view your limited time, encouraging a shift to new, healthier perspectives. Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And now here's your host, Linda Prater. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio. We are so glad that you have joined us today. We firmly believe that women are healthiest when they consider all aspects of themselves. So we want to know, what do you dream about? Tuck away for tomorrow. And we will talk about these topics each week with captivating guests covering the obvious to the things you seldom think about, but all of which make women unique. Remember this, if not today, then when? Be your best possible healthy self, and we'll do our best to help you thrive. I'd like to introduce you to our guest for today, Laura Hines. And Laura is no stranger to life changes and has taken personal challenges in stride by resolving them through growth. Lots of it. We'll learn how she found purpose after a move to Colorado and finds joy in helping others. Welcome to Wise Health for Women Radio, Laura. Thank you so much. Really appreciate the opportunity to talk. Oh, I'm delighted. And forgive me if I call you Laurie. Do you mind which name we go by? No, not at all. Family and friends call me Laurie, so please do so. Oh, I feel honored. Thank you. I am delighted. We are going to talk today. The title, working title right now is How She Grew and Why Gardens Inspire and Give Back. And... You know, our hobbies so often help us define our leisure time, our pleasure time, our spiritual time, and it's very important. But let's start back with your career, Verizon, in Baltimore, Maryland, and talk a little bit about that corporate life. So your before life, if you will, than what we will ultimately come to discuss today. Okay, thank you. Um, I am actually originally from the Annapolis, Maryland area and went to college up in Massachusetts, but had the opportunity to return to this lovely area um, following college with employment with Verizon, which at that mm-hmm. time was actually called CMP Telephone for those people that have followed the telecommunications industry. Um, I was actually honored enough to be a handful of women who back in the 1980s were selected to try to break into some of the male uh, dominated areas of engineering. Um, So with that and also having the pleasure of having a female mentor, Mm -hmm. actually one of the first vice presidents in Verizon, I was able to move through quite a few um, different types of jobs within the whole engineering field. Consequently, that was quite exciting to my type A type personality of being able to do a job um, that I had no familiarity with, work quickly to learn it, and then move on to the next project. With that also, as most people can imagine, comes a lot of stress. And I probably didn't realize at that time in my 20s and my 30s how much all of that stress of performance and results um, was going to impact my life in my 40s and my 50s. Now, were you an engineer by training or schooling? 
Um, no, actually, being that um, at that time there weren't many engineering schools that were accepting women, mm-hmm. um, Verizon reached out to more technical uh, liberal arts t- type careers like math and physics, mm-hmm. brought you in-house, and then trained you accordingly. So I was actually a math major. Oh, my goodness. That just makes me have a <laughs> headache. It totally gives me a headache. Um so when you were working at Verizon and, and making your way through, what did you use in your leisure time to relieve some of that stress? Well, that's probably um, a good point to make that I didn't really focus um, on trying to relieve stress at that point. I think as we're all quite young and we have tremendous energy, we just keep pushing our bodies more and more and getting accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, I also, being the type of personality I was, I did have tremendous levels of energy that never seemed to fail me in my 20s and 30s, <laughs> but actually weakened, weakened later as we got older. So, so my focus, and I think my hobbies at that time probably were more physical in nature, such as skiing and uh, bike riding and things like that, but the purpose was more for an exercise focus, not necessarily a stress release focus. Interesting, because I think it's so important to, to try and find that balance, but I think that's something we only think about in our later years after learning through burnout or other health issues, that that's not a great idea to carry that stress for so long. Would you agree? I totally agree. And I think also um when I was starting my corporate career was really when the philosophy for women that Mm. you can do it all. You can be the super mom, you can be the super employee and the boss. And there was a lot of, I would even say cultural pressure to be able to do it all. I agree. Do you remember the commercial? She can, uh, what is it? (laughs) Bring home the bacon, put it in a pan or something like that. It was, it was, and then I always take care of her man. <laughs> right. And I've always, I've pushed that far, far away, which is why I can't recite it any longer. <laughs> so when you decided to leave Verizon to go to Colorado, did you seek another corporate job? Well, actually, um, um, I did not. Um, we, the, the reason I actually started shifting towards Colorado, my husband at the time, Um, was older than I was, and when he reached 30 years of service with Verizon, we decided that time to try a different lifestyle. Um, At that point in my career in Verizon, I had, um, I would say, caught my brass ring. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I was in charge of a large corporate project of doing 10-digit dialing, which was the first in the entire nation to do. And so I was ready to move on and try something different. So with him reaching retirement age, we went ahead and decided to make the move to Colorado. Um, This is probably where life introduces the stresses that aren't under people's control. Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, eight days before we were moving, we had sold our house, bought a house out in Colorado, But eight days before we moved, my husband, at age 48, died unexpectedly from a heart attack. Mm, So it must have been so difficult. 
it was extremely difficult. Um, it took me a couple of months to try to figure out what I wanted to do, whether I wanted to stay in Maryland or uh, go to Colorado. And I finally decided I had nothing to lose to go to Colorado. I could always return back to the family and friends and neighborhoods that, that I was familiar with, but it might be a good time to try a new adventure. So that's what actually, moved, when I moved out to Colorado, what the situation was going on. Now, did, was that the first time you truly stepped out of what you saw as your linear path forward? And now you had took oh. a big sharp turn? <laughs> Absolutely, because I probably would have stayed in the telecommunication field when we had moved out if it hadn't been for my husband's death. Um, so when I did move out, I decided, okay, I was already in a new area, uh, was going to do new friends. I might as well try a new career. And that started probably, um, led me to a more environmental focus mm -hmm. than the technical focus I had been. I got a job as the business manager for the Colorado River Water Conservation District, mm -hmm. which they are a, I'll call them a pseudo-government. They're from uh, state statute, but they're not actual government. Um, and they're responsible for managing all the water rights on the Colorado River. Um, and that is balancing all the needs, whether it's domestic water, um, agriculture, or as most people know Colorado, recreation, snowmaking, kayaking, and all of that, as well as environmental, the fish and what they need, um, as well as um, other wildlife who have demands and needs for water. Now, you and I have talked um, before about the fact that mm -hmm. moving to Colorado is one of the healthiest states in the nation. And did you begin to use some of your leisure time, I'll call it for lack of a better word, to take advantage of the beauty and the options that were offered? Yes, I, I think you basically have characterized Colorado quite correctly. Um, and that is that the focus is a very outdoors health type focus. Um, and so the opportunity for recreation is quite high. And so I did uh, a lot of hiking in the area, biking, um, and uh, kayak, learned how to kayak and a few things that are more unique to Colorado. I, I love it when you told me that there were powder days and they would let you off work. <laughs> that That's is not Verizon. <laughs> no, that, that truly is not Verizon at all. Um, that is correct. It, it's always a day of celebration when the first big powder hits the ski mountains. And I think a lot of people might call it blue flu. We always had white flu, meaning the powder had come. Oh, that is so funny. Now, you began to find health and wellness uh, after this very difficult experience. And is that also when you began to use your creative flair in other arenas? Yes, I, I believe that probably was the start. Um, I had the opportunity um, to take some classes um, that uh, would lead me into the arena of stained glass and other things to um, work with my hands. That's great, because I think that, 
using, creating, um, imagination, all of those things are often a, a help and a salve to calm down when our minds want to go into areas that are more troublesome. So I, I think that you've made such wise decisions at such a young age after such traumatic events. I have to commend you. That that's really a tremendous thing to do. We're going to go on a short break. And afterward, I'd love you to share with our listeners more about these other phases that led you to gardens from the stained glass, the etching and the outdoors. And we'll talk more. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. And we will be back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. Did you know that the average teenager drinks twice as much soda as milk? Since 1983, sugar consumption in the U.S. is up 28%. Why is that? There are several reasons, but one of the most common is soft drinks. 20-ounce beverages have become the norm, and it's not surprising to find that 43% of our sugar comes from drinks. Sugar is blamed for poor nutritional diets. USDA data shows that people whose diets are high in added sugar eat less calcium, fiber, iron, protein, and many other important nutrients. Fat-free foods are also a culprit. Since sugar is fat-free, many people tend to think it's okay to eat as much as they want. Remember that just because a food is fat-free does not mean that it's calorie-free also. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. Laura, when you were um, working on, on hobbies and balance in your life and powder days and hiking the 14ers and those kinds of things, talk to me and our audience about um, your foray into stained glass because I think that there's, there's a difference between something that's a hobby and something you literally studied and and learned and and then created enormous works of art and and talk about that a bit and how that helped you ah thank you i will um it was very interesting because a couple of things had transpired once i had moved out to colorado i was fortunate enough to meet an amazing man who i later became married to 
And what I didn't realize at the time, and again, we all have different stresses in our, our life. While I had moved to Colorado um, for a different lifestyle and to ease that, even pleasurable things such as getting remarried, starting a whole new life, having done a job, relocation, all of that, um, unwittingly, I wasn't aware that that stress of all those changes Mm -hmm. were continuing to impact my health. So Mm -hmm. one of the approaches that I had taken to try to calm things down was the stained glass, starting Mm -hmm. to work with my hands and use that creative source. If you can imagine, you can't rush stained glass. Mm -mm. Um, You're working with your hands, manually cutting pieces of glass. And if you don't go too quickly, you will break the piece that you probably just spent 20 minutes cutting. (laughs) And what about Um, your hands? (laughs) Well, that's what was always the joke. You look down and, and you have glass cuts on your hands and you never even felt them because the glass you're using is quite sharp. Um, so I always had a box of Band-Aids readily available for you. Mm. Um, but I found that that was probably one of the first times that I was able to quiet my mind because mm-hmm. it required a lot of focus um, to detail. And mm-hmm. it was a very pleasurable thing because at the end, you had a finished product that you could see and and feel and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, with that, I actually fell slightly back into my type A personality and immediately tried to, to turn it into a business, a home business, um, and then realized quite quickly within a year that by doing so, I had taken some of the pleasure and the relaxation mm-hmm. out of a, a wonderful hobby. Um, so I made the decision to shut down my successful home business and return back to its original purpose was to calm and try to focus on my own health by doing something that was extremely pleasurable. Mm-hmm. What did you use um, in its place? <laughs> um, I actually started to work a little bit harder in glass and went to New Mexico and took some classes in what's referred to as glass carving. For those that might not be familiar with glass carving, it's actually the sandblasting of glass so that you end up with a three-dimensional etching. Mm -hmm. Um, Most people can see that type of glass work um, Mm -hmm. in some restaurants. That's usually where you see a lot of it because it's a beautiful reflective surface that is a lot of times used um, as room dividers and things like that. Um, So I was able to continue my own development. And if you thought stained glass took a lot of time to go (laughs) slowly, glass etching was even more so. So slowly but surely through some hobbies, I was trying to basically learn how to slow my life down Mm-hmm. And and work in a more peaceful environment than my type A personality was normally used to working in. So, how was your health at this point? Um, not real good. As I had mentioned, you know, between the stresses of relocating, losing a husband, remarrying, 
starting new jobs. Um, all of that stress had built up and had really caused some immune uh, type uh, illnesses. Mm-hmm. And like most people, I went to the traditional doctor. And as soon as they heard all the stress situations that I had been on, they immediately just kind of chalk that up going, well, of course you have all these issues. Mm -hmm. Go relax. (laughs) Oh, that that no one in the world has ever relaxed when someone told them to relax. Exactly. And when that didn't work, just being told, then the suggestion was always pharmaceuticals, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, take a Valium. And that was definitely not the route that I wanted to go. So I, that's pretty much what I think started my journey into um, how can I live a healthier lifestyle. And basically the first part obviously had been moving to Colorado, but then it was like looking at what else in my life. I can mm-hmm. work on things that tried to give me peace and calmness, but obviously one of the biggest areas is the food that you eat. True. Um, and that's what started my foray into gardening. So did you research this as deeply, Madam Type A, as you did these <laughs> other things that you did? <laughs> I, I would love to say, of course I did. Um, I am more of the Type A that takes a little bit of information and runs with it, willing to just jump off the cliff and see what happens. So um, my only previous gardening experience had pretty much been growing the spider plants in my college room because you couldn't <laughs> kill them um, or growing tomatoes in, in Maryland, which they're hard to kill as well. Mm-hmm. So to go to um, Colorado and try to start growing vegetables at an altitude which our particular house is at 6,500 feet of elevation, in a growing season that is a fraction of what it was in Maryland, I had a lot of trial and errors initially. (laughs) So So I had to learn the hard way. A lot of um, not-so-green-thumb action? Uh, Not-so-green-thumb at all is a very (laughs) descriptive way. Um, But I did... Learned the hard way, and I was, I'm okay with trial and error. I, my philosophy is it doesn't hurt to try. You can always change it. And luckily, plants are very forgiving in that manner. Mm-hmm. Um, so I started with, I guess, the growing principles that are used in Maryland. And that was probably about 50% successful. Mm. Um, most people think Colorado because they know but seeing the pictures of the snow, don't realize that Colorado is an arid state um, with minimal water during the summertime. Mm-hmm. So that right there is a huge difference between the East Coast, which gets a lot more rain than they desire. So I had to basically try to learn what does it mean to grow at altitude with sun that is so much stronger, with minimal water, um, and after those trial and errors, I decided to hit the internet and came across something that I have since found out is available in 
every state, um, is to go to the universities, the agricultural departments of the state universities. They Interesting. All, they all publish documents encouraging um, home growers, I'll call us home growers, um, to, to grow and what's the best way for that particular area of the United States. So that led to probably my first successful season of growing vegetables. Um, now, was your health getting better through eating things that you grew or were you not yet growing enough to eat? I was not yet growing enough to eat, but what I was starting to see was um, my, I guess, my intellectual knowledge of vegetables what ones should I be um, eating? What ones could I grow to eat mm -hmm. was really starting to develop. What did you discover? You've got about two minutes till the next break. Okay. Well, I, I basically discovered that um, in Colorado, you have to grow plants that are cold and hardy, which Ones that are, I guess, the classics of broccoli and cauliflower, they're cold weather uh, vegetables, do mm -hmm. awesome in, in a Colorado area. Um, so that led me to start eating and focusing a lot on those type. Um, the other thing that I pretty much learned was that the exercise of gardening, and I think people underestimate that, when you're carrying bags of soil, when you're... Um, bending over and digging, mm -hmm. it's a whole nother area of exercise that you don't get when you're doing sports type exercise, such as biking or even hiking. Good so point. Slowly, slowly but surely, just the uh, uh, physical action started to work and the calmness of gardening and things like that really just started moving me towards a, a more healthier approach. For that matter, interesting. I, you know, because the cold weather crops that you're describing are the healthy ones: the broccoli, the kale, the cauliflower, the things that they tell you to eat all the time because they're very filled with nutrients. Did you do the research into the nutrients, or were you more focused at that point on growing things that would survive in Colorado? You're correct in your sec second assumption. At that point, it really was: what could I grow? I was trying um, to get more uh, focused on which plants um, could I grow, which ones would have the right um, growing season mm -hmm. and variety. And that's probably where I learned more later of how do I grow things that are not necessarily um, uh, unique to just Colorado. And that's where I ended up getting into hydroponics. Interesting. We are going to go on a break and we will talk about the hydroponics, the value of being in Colorado to pursue that. And we will talk more about the health aspects after these short messages. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. And we will be back after these short messages. We are helping women to thrive. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. It's marching down 
notice that no matter how carefully you put the Christmas lights away, they still come out all kringle-krangled and jitterty-jitterty the next year. Christmas tree lights were invented in 1882 by Thomas Edison, and by 1900, these miniature versions of his electric light bulb were being advertised to the public. In 1895, Grover Cleveland proudly sponsored the first electrically lit Christmas tree in the White House, featuring more than a hundred multicolored lights. By the next Christmas, members of high society were hosting flambustious Christmas tree parties. Of course, in those early days, the services of a wireman had to be obtained, as many people had considered electricity as a bit of a bugaboo. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Finally, a show that supports women who are in the midst of a transition in midlife. The show is Second Wind. Here's what certified coach, author, and host of Second Wind, Joyce Buford, wants you to know. It's so empowering for women to hear about other women and their accomplishments. We all need cheerleaders, someone who's on our side. Second Wind is that program to help women connect with other women, hear other women's stories. In a stressful world. Find power in those stories. Learn to discover your passions and joys again. Create the life you want to live to the fullest. Join us for Second Wind with Joyce Buford, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. Central, right here on the TogiNet Radio Network. Helping women to thrive. Laura, you were talking before about learning how to grow things that were not necessarily unique to Colorado because you were trying to get the variety that you were looking for to to have a healthy mix of, of vegetables and produce. And I imagine it also was a satisfying thing to be able to do that. What, what were your next steps? Well, um, you are absolutely correct. I, I started trying to reach out for the variety of vegetables um, the cold weather vegetables were very plentiful, but once you got into our summertime with the strong sun, they don't do well at all. Plus, I have that love from the East Coast of wonderful, wonderful tomatoes. So mm-hmm. I was trying to go, how can I grow tomatoes um, in Colorado? Because they have a longer growing period, and mm-hmm. our growing period is quite short because of the uh, oncoming winters. What I learned in all of this time frame um, was a couple of things. One, it's important to get back to basics, and that is whether in eating and what you're eating, as well as gardening. Um, So I started indirectly going more and more organic with my gardening. Mm -hmm. I learned over time that, you know, of the three things that you need to garden, which are the sun, the water, and the soil – You have zero control over the sun. Nature has 100% of that control. In water, you may have 50% of control or Mm -hmm. not. Nature has the other 50. And in soil, you have more control um, than nature does because you're responsible for replenishing the nutrients in the soil after it grows. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's where I started focusing and doing the research um, on 
what did people do a long time ago and, and really walked myself into organic gardening. As you can imagine, doing the research in organic gardening, I wanted the organic uh, vegetables, which started leading me down the health path of eating um, organic wherever I could and where mm-hmm. I could afford it, because organic is not necessarily the least expensive option out there. Mm-hmm. Um, so with the focus of trying to grow healthier, um, I started eating healthier. And that's probably where I started noticing some of the largest um, health benefits. Good. It really became like peeling an onion, doing one step at a time, such as the stress reducers, um, such as always doing the exercise, getting a variety of exercise, then starting to focus on the diet, getting the variety of vegetables, and um, just working through all the different issues. Because each time I would peel a layer off, it would reveal you know, I still needed to go further into the health field. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where it led me to, I mentioned before, hydroponics. Mm-hmm. Because of our short growing season, I started struggling with, well, what do I do um, during the winter months um, when I couldn't really produce in my garden? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think most people know that Colorado was one of the first to legalize uh, medical marijuana and now recreational marijuana. Mm-hmm. And because we are an arid state, um, the marijuana community actually has made major forays into the areas of hydroponics. How do they grow in an enclosed area with minimal water and, and no soil because they're growing indoors? Mm-hmm. So I thought that maybe that was an idea for me to pursue. Not to grow marijuana. I'm not saying that. <laughs> so you didn't want to be a cannabis entrepreneur. I did not want to be a cannabis But could I grow vegetables inside? Um, okay. Most of us in, in Colorado have heated garages. And I thought, okay, great. I have a warmer environment. I can always put grow lights up. Um, But I don't want a lot of dirt and trying to grow dirt in my garage. Mm -hmm. So I was actually at a dinner party and was talking to friends and said, you know, I was going to start investigating the marijuana growing community to see if I could (laughs) learn hydroponics (laughs) from them since they are now becoming the the resident experts. And um, this good friend of mine uh, was so surprised and was pleased to announce that the company that he worked with actually had just purchased um, the per, uh, the uh, permit from a uh, patent, excuse me, not permit, patent from the gentleman who had designed an internal hydroponic tower. Uh, this gentleman used to work for Epcot, and if anybody had been to Epcot Land Pavilion, they seen how massive hydroponics that Epcot has. And he basically took his knowledge and expertise and created an indoor um, hydroponic tower. So then I grew, basically transferred my grow operation inside. Well, explain what a a hydroponic tower is. (laughs) Um, Hydroponics um, actually is where instead of soil, you actually feed and drip 
water that's been enriched with nutrients um, on the roots of plants. And they don't actually need the soil. What they got from the soil was the nutrients. But they okay. do need water. They do need nutrients. And so you provide that in a liquid format. And you use grow lights to provide the sunshine. So you have your three elements of sun, uh, nutrients, and water. And so it's been quite a fun thing. One of the humorous things that I learned growing inside is when you go outside, you have all sorts of nature that can help you. Um, bees and uh, ladybugs for uh, pests. But when you grow inside, you don't have those. So you have to self-pollinate. Um, so I learned quite quickly how to take little paintbrushes and take the pollen from one tomato flower and take it to another. Oh, but I my was goodness. <laughs> I was literally, I used to, pardon the expression, we used to go, I called it uh, uh, vegetable sex. I would go out to the garage. Oh, my and goodness. And do vegetable <laughs> sex. <laughs> oh, boy. That is hilarious. So do all vegetables need that? I mean, I don't no. know the answer. Well, they not all do. Some are, are self-pollinating, but okay. they actually need wind or movement to self-pollinate. So they all need some sort of assistance from nature, whether it's just shaking the plant or, or having a fan blow on it to simulate the wind okay. or using a paintbrush to take pollen from one blossom to another. <laughs> so, <I've laughs> Now, is this very, very labor intensive or did you work this out so that it became efficient? Oh, it, it is not labor intensive at all. Um, it is basically just a couple of minutes in the morning to check the pH um, of the liquid uh, nutrients. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and then you harvest and you have to trim back. I have to say that um, because they grow since it's so nutrient rich. Um, the plants will grow quite large and quite fast, which really led me into, I think, what has now turned into another passion, which is the opportunity to grow um, in bulk and donate it to those folks that don't have the opportunity. They either don't have the uh, land to have a home garden or they um, don't are blessed to have the opportunity to even get into hydroponics so basically my husband and I have started what we, our own little ministry that we call mm -hmm. and we do what we call is a reverse tithe we keep 10% of what we grow and we give 90% of what we grow to the local food banks oh my goodness so you are really feeding the valley that is our goal, and each year we keep uh, increasing it. There's a, a wonderful organization that, if anybody's ever interested in, in donating their excess, because I know we all have grown that zucchini plant that kind of produces in mass, and mm -hmm. you're, you don't know what to do with all that. There's a wonderful nonprofit organization called ampleharvest.org. Okay. 501c3 organization. And one of their main purposes is putting excess food together with food pantries. So um, you can go online with your zip code and you can find where you can donate your excess produce. Um, if you happen to be a food pantry, you can register so home growers 
or farmer markets know where they can donate their excess produce to basically lead for, you know, good food for everyone. No food you know, it's, it's amazing because it, do you grow from seed? Um, I do grow from seed. And then for some plants, because our growing season is so short, um, I go to some of the local nurseries, organic nurseries to go ahead and start. But I would say majority is from seed. So it's economical once you've made your first investment. In the, in the hydroponic tower you're referring to? Um, in, in growing indoors, I guess, is what I'm saying, because I imagine you outside, but you also continue this year round. Yes, and, and I do grow from seed, and um, you can always, just like outside, you can have a plant and allow it to go to seed, so you actually have seed um, to propagate additional plants. Which is magical. I mean, Laura Ingalls Wilder was one of my favorite authors as a child. So you're you're really going back to Little House on the Prairie, and and growing for yourself, for your health, and for others. Right. And and we have noticed um, a huge improvement in our health of eating. Um, first of all, we know exactly what is going on um, in the growing process. We feel wonderful to be able to donate um, produce that um, is as healthy as you can possibly grow it. And um, it's made big, big improvements um, in our health. Interesting. So now were you able to stop some of the pharmaceuticals? I don't want to intrude, but, you know, were you able <laughs> to, 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 to shift to managing your illnesses or conditions on your own? Absolutely. Absolutely. And um, just like it's going back to the roots, um, that makes sense. If you can eat healthy, the body itself wants to heal itself. If you can give it the right fuel, it can make its own huge strides in the improvement of your health. That's fantastic. I, I, I love that. We're coming up to our final break. And I'd love to talk more about what I've read about the use of these indoor tower gardens and even outdoor at homeless shelters, at uh, large group homes, because it's a way to continue to carry on the bounty and, and the health of good food. Thank you. You're listening to Wise Health for Women Radio, helping women thrive. And we will be back after these short messages. We're Wise Health for Women Radio, and we'll return after these short messages. Have you ever met one of those people who just can't be stopped? It's like they're unstoppable. Yeah, I have. Me too. What's their mystique? Nothing stops these people. Each week, join Coach Frankie Picasso for Mission Unstoppable, where you'll meet some of the most amazing people. They've accomplished their goals despite insurmountable odds. They beat adversity, physical hardship, and traumatic events, and emerge triumphantly. They're people just like you and me, and they're winners. Are you unstoppable? Join Frankie Picasso every week for Mission Unstoppable and learn how. Stop. Join us every Monday at 10 a.m. Central for the Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports Radio Show. 
with commentary about current events, guns, shooting, and firearms issues, automotive and motorsports features, and special music presentations. Johnny is recognized as an international firearms authority and ballistic engineer, as well as an accomplished and widely recognized automotive designer and longtime TV and radio host. This program draws on Johnny's experience in shooting, motorsports, and as a professional entertainer musician. Don't miss Johnny Roland News, Guns, and Motorsports. Infotainment at its best. Trust us on this one. It's a fun show. Every Monday morning at 10 a.m. Central. Welcome back to Wise Health for Women Radio. We were talking on the break about the fact that when Laura and I talked about this months and months ago, I actually have my own tower garden at this point. But unlike um, in Colorado, in Maryland, as you mentioned earlier, there's a longer growing season. I grew mine outside. And it's an amazing process to be able to take seeds and to watch them grow into a full head of lettuce. There's 24 openings on this tower. And I had lettuce, kale, broccoli, rainbow chard, lemon basil. um, And and my very successful, almost too successful um, uber tomatoes, I'll call them. They were cherry tomatoes that grew so strongly that the stem on the tomato was probably, oh, as big as your thumb, if not bigger. And I I, I laughed, Laura, when you mentioned um, cutting them back because I clearly did not do a good job of that, which is probably the only thing I say that was something I missed in this because otherwise it's, you can't make a mistake. You put the water in, you put the nutrients in, you put it where there's plenty of sun and It's amazing. So when you go to, say, Whole Foods or Harris Teeter or one of your deluxe grocery stores and you buy a head of butter lettuce, well, I just made that for about three cents. And it's just really amazing when you have a dinner party and you serve a salad that you made. Now, Laura, you've been doing this for years, so I'm sure that you're much more familiar with that, but I still get a thrill out of it. Absolutely. And and there is... a something that is quite special um, in the flavor of something that's grown hydroponically. The the lettuce, it's probably because it's so much moisture to mm-hmm. the plant. There is The lettuce is so delicate and flavorable. Um, now, it is a lot I, of fun. It is a lot of fun, but I, I remember thinking, well, lettuce is lettuce. You know, I can buy good lettuce. I can buy good kale. I can buy kaleette and broccolini and all those things if I want them. But it tastes different. It tastes so better because you wait till it's ready to harvest before you take it off. And and frankly, you don't want to eat store-bought produce anymore. Now, I have not moved it indoors. We have a short winter. Um, and I was able to grow all the way through to the first week of December. So from March to December in Maryland, because you grow the cold weather crops at either end and the wonderful summer crops in the middle and it was a joy and one of the things that I was 
so amazed by in our local paper, and I'm sure you have it in Colorado as well, is that they're now adopting these tower gardens at group homes, um, at uh, rehab centers, at places where it helps both on um, a mental health to be able to work with nature, but also on you know growing produce and, and making sense of uh, the meals, which often in group homes or in, in a big situation aren't very flavorful. And, and I find that just such a wonderful use of, of both physical and, and mental health while also producing something of value. Have you heard of this being done? Oh, absolutely. Um, in fact, I, I became so enthralled with this tower garden that I actually became one of the distributors. Um, they're quite proud of some of the um, ideas that people have come up. If you've mm-hmm. ever traveled through Chicago O'Hare, actually in O'Hare Airport, they have uh, one of the restaurant chains there has basically leased a section of the airport terminal itself and has these towers and they're growing indoors their own vegetables that they serve in that restaurant. Oh, isn't um, that special? Wow. Other, other examples are just what you mentioned. Um, schools have started, mm-hmm. some of the Montessori schools um, mm-hmm. have started um, not only educating the children on how to grow um, food and, and just all the lessons that they learn with uh, watching plants grow, mm-hmm. but it also provides um, the vegetables for there. Um, so it, it really has taken off on several different aspects of vertical growing. How do we grow more in less space? Mm-hmm. Um, how do we grow more efficiently with less water? Because the water's mm-hmm. not going wasted. And and how do we grow less expensively? Because the goal truly is we've got to get healthy foods to everybody who, who needs them. So one of the big forays that is taking place now is in the cities. Um, People are putting these um, tower gardens, multiple ones, they're clustering them together Mm -hmm. on rooftops in New York City, as an example, Um, as an opportunity, again, to try to get healthy food in the cities is not easy. They don't have big spaces for Whole Foods to come in, for example, and set up a big grocery store. So wherever there is, um, I guess, location constraints and, mm-hmm. and economic constraints and everything else, this is proving to be a very efficient way um, to grow uh, good foods and get it distributed. You know, it, but I also love the fact that whether it's for children, whether it's for uh, recovering addicts, whether it's for homeless, mm-hmm. it gives you a purpose gives you a purpose and, a, and an activity and an outcome that is positive and you have something to show for it and you really can't make a mistake in gardening. As you said, even your mistakes you learned from. And, and plants are, are extremely forgiving. It, it's amazing. And um, just the mere concept of you have one seed which comes, uh, a plant comes out and you end up with multiple seeds. It's such a geometrically um, proportional type growth that 
you don't need much raw um, nutrients and, and um, I'm trying to think of the right word, uh, supplies to produce a lot. Um, the plant itself provides so much of the raw materials that you need to continue. You know, it, it's interesting. It, it, it's, most people just think of food as, as fuel, perhaps. And, and sometimes it really does make a difference when there's a force multiplier and you put your own effort behind it. And it makes a big difference in flavor, in even having children eat their vegetables and, and becoming more familiar with perhaps vegetables that are less familiar. I, I know that there's a big move towards some of the greens that people aren't as familiar with and a variety of eating so that it's healthy. And it just makes sense. So did you also learn about all of the, uh, I'll call it the nutrient levels and and what was a good mix to grow? And are you now helping other people to learn how to do that? Other than me, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yes, I am. Um, the other thing that it kind of have led a foray, and, and I think you're, you probably at Christmas time is probably when it's most noticeable, is more and more people, I'll, I'll say it again, are going back to um, previous practices, the practice mm-hmm. of canning. Um, has the canning community has grown tremendously as people want to be able to eat healthy food throughout the year and not just through its a particular growing season. Um, so that actually is one of my own personal goals is is to see if I can get certified to be able to provide canned fruits and vegetables to the food banks. So that's kind of my next progression. Um, on being able to continue to give back and, and to help um, more and more people have healthy food. You know, you'll have to explain to me why we call it canning when it goes into glass jars. <laughs> I, I, wish, I wish I could give you a, a logical answer. I'm not quite sure of that one. <laughs> I have never understood that whatsoever. I think it's crazy. So let's circle back to you. You went through life changes. You went from a highly stressed corporate environment. You moved after massive life changes. You changed and adapted. And if you had three things that you talked about as a priority from gardening that it gave you and how you've turned yet another hobby into something a bit more than it, but you've done it on a paced level, I can tell. What would you say those priorities are? Would it be along the exercise, the nutrition, all of it? Tell me, what are your three priorities that you have gained by doing all of this? I would say that the first and foremost one that that came out of it has been a healthier lifestyle. Um, More aware of what I'm eating, um, how it's grown, and um, everything that comes from putting good fuel into your own body. Mm. The second thing has probably been my wonderment, for a lack of a better word, about nature, how it grows, and just the amazing ability to take a seed and end up with plants and lettuce and heads of lettuce that you can feed an entire family Mm -hmm. uh, for for a whole winter. And then I would have to say that the third one is probably the pleasure of of working in the soil Mm -hmm. and, and getting back to the basics that our 
you know, our families and probably going back several generations, they were doing that all the time and, and being able to put our hands in the soil and, and, and grow at beautiful things, whether you're growing flowers, herbs, or, or vegetables and fruits, um, has been probably the third joy of all of this journey that I've been on. Well, I love it because it's so far away from the cyber world. While you may have used the internet to learn more about what you needed to know and the agricultural department um, to learn more too, this is, as you say, back to basics and it takes it away from the impersonal and puts your hands on. I think we've become such an arm's length society that actually putting your hands in the soil, being out in nature. I loved your part about awe. I don't know if you saw it. Last week, the Wall Street Journal had an article about when we feel awe at at nature, whether it's waves on an ocean uh, beach or uh, a moon that's gorgeous, it makes us grow inside. It, It makes us aware of how small we really are in the universe, but not inconsequential. So it's a gift. And and Laura, thank you for sharing your gift of growing in personal ways, personal growth, as well as in your growth of vegetables and bounty to feed the valley, all in ways of making yourself a, a healthier person and your family healthier. And and by extension me, because now I've become part of this gardening uh, tower phenomenon, and I love it. I I just appreciate your time today, and thank you for sharing this, because women thrive best when they do the things that they love. You are listening to Wise Health for Women Radio. We help women thrive, and we will be back next week with another show about an interesting woman who has figured out an amazing and wonderful way to make their lives better. Thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in today. You can find more shows at wisehealthforwomenradio.com.